Last Sunday, I uh, began a new series of messages uh, based on the Gospel of John. And I began with the prologue that is found in chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. And the very first message I was not able to finish, so I am going to finish that message, and then I have an ongoing short series on the topic of Logos. So shall we uh, look at the title for the message today? Uh, it's titled, Logos, Intimate Relationship with God. We 한국어로 한번 이 타이틀을 한번 선포합시다. Logos, 하나님과 친밀한 관계. Logos, 하나님과 친밀한 관계. Now, I mentioned that the, the primary theme of the prologue is the theme of logos. And that's the Greek term for word or marsim. Uh, we find uh, in verses 1 to 18, uh, several mentioning of the term logos. As a matter of fact, four times. And three of them in the very first verse. And the theology of the Logos is basic, basically this. I'm going to give you a little summary on this so that you can have a, a sense of a background for the concept of Logos. And then I will touch upon just verses 1 and 2. First, that the Logos is the eternal one. He's the pre-existent one. He's the divine one. And he was instrumental in bringing forth the creation. 이 로고스가 과연 어떤 분이신가? 우리가 이 서원을 통해서 우리가 알 수가 있는데 첫째로 이 로고스는 선지하신 분이에요. 영원하신 분이에요. 신이셔요. 즉 하나님이십니다. 그런데 이 로고스 하나님이 세상을 창조하셨다. 이렇게 나옵니다. Second thing we know about this logos is that the logos becomes incarnate. Remember, before, he, was, he didn't have a flesh. He didn't come to earth. He was pre-existent. He was eternal. He was ruling the cosmos. But 2,000 years ago, this eternal, pre-existent logos decided to come down to earth and take on a flesh. That's what we call incarnation. 성육신이라고 여러분 들어보셨죠? 성육신. 뜻이 무엇인가? 육신을 입고 오셨다는 그런 뜻이에요. 하나님이 육신이 아니신데 하나님이 육신이 되신 거예요. He takes on a flesh. 하나님이 하나님이신데 신이신데 인간이 되신 거예요. And why did he do that? He did it for the sake of redemption. So we see the theology of creation and redemption right here in this um, prologue. So let's now turn to uh, the first two verses that we have read last week. And we're going to read it in English first, and then we'll read it in Korean. And then I will try to uh, expound on it and, and try to finish the message that I began last week. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 태초에 말씀이 계시니라. 이 말씀이 하나님과 함께 계셨으니 이 말씀은 곧 하나님이시니라. 그가 태초에 하나님과 함께 계셨고. First thing that I mentioned last week was that this logos is eternal in nature. 
And the reason why uh, Apostle John begins this text this way, in the beginning was the word, 대체 말씀이 계시니라, 로부터 시작을 하시는 이유가 무엇인가. And in Genesis 1.1, we see a similar type of phrasing, in the beginning, God created. 대체 하나님이 천지를 창조하시니라. Why is this concept of in the beginning so important? The liberal theologians and the people of the world would like to say that in the beginning indicates that God had a beginning. But we know that that is totally off context, out of context. It is very clear that God was there in the beginning. So the in the beginning has to do with rest of the others that God created. It has to do with the creative order of things. 태초에는 하나님을 언급하는 것이 아니에요. 하나님 벌써 이미 태초 이전에 계셨어요. 선지하신 분이에요. 태초 시작이에요. 그 후론 무엇이 창조되었냐? 이 말을 하기 위해서 그런데 그 세상을 창조하신 분이 누구냐? 창조의 저자가 누구시냐? 하면 예수 그리스도 로고스란 말입니다. So in the beginning differentiates the logos with the creation, created order of things. So this is the amazing thing. Try to imagine in your mind this eternal one, this pre-existent one, this God that nobody can see, nobody can even speculate. We have no idea who this person is. He's hidden from the side of the world. And now, how is he going to make himself known to the rest of the world? And he does it in two ways. In theology, we say through general revelation, 일반 계시로 그 로고스가 자신을 나타내 주신 거예요. 어떻게 나타내 주시냐? 창조를 통해서 through the things that he's created. Look, open your eyes and see the creation all around you. See nature. See the things that's happening. And you should be able to make some kind of connection that behind all that is someone who is so sovereign. 우리가 이 피조 세계를 보고 목격하게 되면 어떻게라도 이 점, 점점점을 연결시켜서 여기에 궁극적인 이 세상을 창조하신 분과 연결이 된다는 것입니다. And another aspect of general revelation is this, your conscience. 우리 모두 다가 양심이 있잖아요, 양심. And we all know if we look deep down inside that we could not have just come into being. Unless you think like an animal and you see no, yourself no better than the dust of the ground, then that may be your interpretation. But if you think you are highly intelligent and distinct from other animals, you feel like you have some kind of value and significance in this life, then the next question you have to ask is, who am I? How did I get here? Did I just happen? Or is there something more? And that conscience in your spirit links you to God, and that conscience also tells you that you and I, we've been sinning against God, living our lives as though God did not exist. That's general revelation. That's how we know that there is God. Even the, the unbelievers have a sense of God, a sense of sin, sense that, that they're not right in right standing with God. 
But regarding redemption, we need a very special revelation. 이 구속에 있어서는 그냥 일반 계시로 안 됩니다. 일반 계시는 우리나 세상 사람과 별 차이가 없어요. 다 공통된 그러한 계시를 우리가 받고 있습니다. 그렇지만 특별 계시, 즉 하나님의 말씀, the Bible. 그리고 그 하나님의 말씀에 초점을 맞춰 주신 그 예수 그리스도. 특히 예수 그리스도의 성육신. 이것이 특별 계시예요. And this is exactly what John is trying to say. That the one who is hidden away in all eternity, now he makes himself known to us through creation and specifically through Jesus Christ, the incarnated one. Can I hear amen to this? I hope this is not too difficult for you. Last week I had a very difficult time because even as I was teaching, I'm going, I hope that they can get this because it sounds so theological. You know, seems maybe too scholarly, too seminary type of lecture-ish. But I don't mean to. I want to talk about these very profound uh, topics and try to make it very simple for you to understand because we must understand this to this degree. Second thing I mentioned was that this um, Logos, who was at the very beginning, he existed with God, and literally he was God. Now why does John mention something that is so paradoxical? He says, and the world was with God, and now the world was God. Was he with God or was he God? He's saying both. And technically speaking, in Greek, the first time it is mentioned, and the word was with God, that God has a definite article to it. Second time, the word was God, that God does not have a definite article. A lot of scholars believe that John was deliberate in not using the definite article in the second round to say that Jesus, the Logos, is God in a different sense. From God the Father. Okay, let's let me make it very simple for you. In Christianity, we believe in the doctrine of Trinity. 우리가 기독교인으로서는 삼위일체 신학을 믿어야 합니다. 삼위일체. 우리 기독교인들과 유대인들과 유일신론자들로 말하자면 또 무슬림들과 궁극적인 차이가 우리는 삼위일체를 믿어요. 우리도 유일신론자들이에요. We believe in one God. We never say we believe in three gods. One God. But we qualify that by saying we believe in one God, but we also believe in three persons. That's very confusing, isn't it? Three persons mean three gods, no? No, that's not the way it works. Because when we say one God, we're talking about one essence of divinity. Okay? Jesus doesn't have some different essence than the Father. Same essence of divinity. 신성에 있어서는 유일합니다. 독특합니다. 하나입니다. 그렇지만 위격에 있어서는 성부, 성자, 성령 이렇게 우리가 해석합니다. Now you might say, well, can you explain that more? Can we have some questions and answers to this? And I say, I'm sorry, but my sermon has to be short. Within 30 minutes, so I cannot go that route. But I'll be glad to expound on this in the future. 
we have courses in the seminaries talking about the whole concept of Trinity. And it can be explained to a degree. But the mystery is this. The way we perceive God is something like what Gregory of Nazianzus, one of the early church fathers in the 4th century, said. He said, anytime I think about God as one, I can't help but to think of three at the same time. Suddenly he's speculating and thinking about oneness of God, and suddenly he sees this radiant, glowing light, and he sees three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And anytime I'm thinking about three, I can't help but to see it as one. So which is it? One or three? On one hand, when we see it from one particular angle and we're talking about the unity of God, it's one. But when we're looking at the Bible and we see Jesus relating to the Father and Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, we see three. So as Christians, we believe in God three in one. Could you repeat it for me? Three in one. 이것이 바로 삼위일체입니다. Now all this I have spoken. All this I have spoken as sort of introduction to get to the third point. Jesus is distinct from the Father. He's God just like the Father, but he is distinct. He's the second person of the Trinity. But the third point that I want to make is there's this relationship between Jesus, the Logos, and the Father that we see in this phrase. And the Word was with God. Could you repeat that for me? The Word was with God. And then in verse 2, it repeats the similar concept. He was with God in the beginning. 그가 태초에 하나님과 함께 계셨고. Today, I want us to think about this preposition that is translated here as with. 이 전치사, 프로스라는 전치사인데요. 헬라우로 보면 이 전치사에 대해서 조금 우리가 좀 생각을 해봤으면 좋겠습니다. It is translated as with, 함께. But the scholars in general say the prose has to do with some kind of direction. It has to do with toward, 향하여. There's a direction of thing. It's not just the presence with God, but somehow we are oriented towards God. 어떤 지향적인, 어떤 방향적인 개념이 있다는 것입니다. Toward. Some scholars would even go out and say, well, it can be translated as before. 그 앞에서, 하나님 앞에 우리가 서 있듯이. And I've even read commentaries where some scholars would say, it can be translated as face-to-face with God. 하나님과 대면한다. 이런 뜻이다. 이렇게 설명하는 그 학자들도 있습니다. Very interesting, isn't it? From just one preposition. Uh, prose. And we read it as, well, the Logos was with God. But how was he with God? And the scholars say, he was facing towards God. He was before the presence of God. He was face to face with God. Very, very intimate concept. Am I the only one who's getting excited about this? You know, when I think about the theological concepts, even, you know, the Greek terms, even even just a preposition, just a preposition just to link these concepts and thoughts together. 
with the rest of the sentence. I get amazed because within that is so much richness regarding the dynamic of relationship between the Logos, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and the Father. There is a theological concept. I'm going to give you a Latin term now. Are you jotting all this down? I'll have all the notes available for you if you want, but nobody has really asked for that, so I don't want to waste paper just handing them out to you, but if you want it, I can give you all the copies of the outlines. Okay? The theological concept is known as coram deo. Could you repeat it? Coram deo. This is, this is Latin. Now, you need to sound kind of smart that oh, I know uh, Hebrew a little bit, I know Greek a little bit, those are the original languages of the Bible. But please don't get them confused with something like Koram Deo, which is Latin. Okay? This is not Greek, this is not Hebrew, this is Latin. So just by being able to differentiate these, you can sound a little smart. Not that necessarily that's virtuous, but you can say, you know, I learned something. You know, I learned from something from the church. Koram Deo. It means literally before God, 하나님 앞에서. But most uh, theologians would say this means to actually stand before the presence of the Lord, before the face of God, as though He's the judge watching over you, or He's the Father figure standing before you. And your whole attitude about life changes if you understand this. Even today in worship, if we were conscious that God is standing, somehow in the back here, and we are beholding His presence, we are actually beholding His face in an intimate way, we're looking into His eyes, our worship will change. Sometimes I have to remind myself during the worship, before the presence, Koram Deo. Or forget Koram Deo, it's just, you know, sing along just to get ourselves prepped up so that we'll be in a sort of a control setting where now we can tune into the Word of God. No, Koram Deo. Before his presence. That changes everything. And so the reformers especially loved this concept. Koram Deo. Not Koram Pope. Not Koram Catholic Church. Not Koram Christian Empire. But it's purely Koram Deo. Koram Deo. Or we might even say Koram Christi. Before the presence of Christ. Now I'm running a little ahead of our schedule in terms of uh, preaching systematically from this text. But I want to take a leap to verse 18. That is the end of the prologue. Because I believe that this concept can really help us to understand what kind of relationship Jesus must have had with the Father. And in verse 18, and I had to take NIV translation and King James Version translation, kind of mix them together. Sometimes I have to because I believe King James Version is more literal in this sense. And in English, it reads, No one has ever seen God but God, the one and only begotten, and that is talking about Jesus Christ, the Logos, who is in the Father's bosom, has made him known. 본래 하나님을 본 사람이 없으되 아버지 품속에 있는 독생하신 하나님이 나타내셨느니라. 
Here, two concepts. I am really sorry, again, I have to use Greek. But by now, you know that I will occasionally throw Greek and Hebrew at you. But two Greek terms. First of all, the word that is translated as bosom or pum is the Greek term corpus. And it is literally the front part of the body between the arms. What is that? Front part of your body between the arms. Come on, if you're not, if you, you don't, it doesn't click right now. Think about front part, okay, front here, not the back. Arms, here, arms. Between the arms, where is it? Chest. Let's talk about chest. You've heard of the concept of bosom of Abraham? No. Abraham's chest. Intimate relationship with Abraham. Now here, let's go back to the text once again. Jesus, where did he come from? He came from the bosom of the Father. 아버지 품에서 나오셨다. 이렇게 나옵니다. That means Jesus, in his intimate relationship with the Father, wasn't just, here's the Father, here I am. I am with the Father. You know, or I am with the Father in this relationship. But it's much more intimate than that. You know, Jesus later talks about in John chapters 14 to 17, he talks about, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. This kind of stuff. It's a language of intimacy. He's not just standing by the Father. He's not just facing the Father. He's not just beholding his eyes. He is deeply embedded in the bosom of the Father, and out of that bosom of the Father, He comes forth, and He becomes incarnate. 여러분, 이 개념이 왜 중요하냐면 우리가 relationship 얘기는 많이 해요. Christian circle에서 우리가 relationship, relationship, every single relationship. 그렇지만 사람들이 relate하는 거 보면 우리가 대충 알 수가 있어요. 사람들이 릴레이트하면 우리가 이제 코인은이야 스몰 그룹 다이내믹 할때 우리가 교제하잖아 그러면 얘기를 하면서 시작하는 거예요. 쉐어링 하는 거죠. And that's intimate to a degree. 요즘 세상 사람들은 뭐 그냥 카누로 이렇게 막아갖고 워킹 인바이러먼트나 패밀리 다이내믹 그런데 우리 크리스천 서클에서 우리가 서로 대면하고 그러니까 make a circle, have a round table and we face each other. That's intimate. And then let me tell you, there's more to intimacy than that. Okay? It's become very awkward because of the things out in the news. But in the early Christian days, they actually, Christians actually embraced one another. They even kissed one another. Can you believe it? They kissed one another. We don't dare to do that. We'll be in trouble if pastor hugged one of the members and kissed the person out of Christian love. That will be completely misunderstood. We can't even touch people. So everything about intimacy breaks down in this modern society because of the fear you know, that it can be misunderstood. And that's why we don't really understand the language of relationship and intimacy. We just talk from a distance. We, we just have a messaging, texting. You know, and that's how we get intimate. But real intimacy means I have to have some kind of point of contact the gap has to be reduced. I have to come and look at that person face to face. 
maybe even embrace that person. But more, you know what the greatest language of intimacy is? If you can even lean your head in the bosom of that person, now that's very intimate. Only husband and wives do that, right? Okay. And today, even husband and wives don't do that. Ah, 귀찮아, 싫어, 불편해. 당신 여기 있고 그냥 눈으로 사랑하면 안 돼. 안 돼요. 가슴으로 사랑해야 돼. 가슴 랭귀지가 어디고 가슴에 다 와야 되는데 가슴에다 대지도 않는데 그래. You know, do you know in John there's a mention of a particular apostle. He doesn't name himself. But he says, this is the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And then in chapter 13, 23, we read, now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. And we know that this is the author, John. Somehow he's picked up on this language of intimacy. 예수의 제자 중 하나 곧그 사랑하시는 자가 예수의 품에 의지하여 누웠는지라. You know how intimate this is? I mean, I had my disciples in the olden days. I have disciples, you guys. You know, if you consider yourself to be my disciple. But I, I can't imagine having one of you come and say, Pastor, I love you. 하고 내 가슴에다가 머리를 대면 All sorts of implications. You just don't want to think about it. You don't want to go there. 먼저 징그럽고. 둘째로, it's too, too intimate. You don't want to go there. But in Jesus' days, that was okay. Especially between the, the master and the, uh, the student. Here, John says, I am the one who understands the language of bosom. Because I've laid my head upon the bosom of that person. And why is this language so important? Because this is exactly the way Jesus was with the Father. 예수님이 아버지와 이런 관계였기 때문에 이런 관계를 우리에게 소개해 주시기 위해서 이 세상에 오셨고 우리들에게도 너희들도 너의 그 무거운 머리를 내 가슴에 대라. 그 무거운 그 마음을 내 마음에 털어놓으라. Two weeks ago we had a very sad news. As you know, and it was amazing how Chie was able to lead worship today because it hasn't been too long. Her young nephew, Enoch, he passed away. He died of an accident. And the whole family was like in a turmoil. They were going through such a, a grieving, grieving time. And for any parent who has experienced the loss of a child, and we have, as you know, we lost an infant son as well. And some of you lost your child through miscarriage or uh, some other uh, situations. That is just makes no sense at all. You can't console a person in a situation like that. I realize that. But there was one word that I did want to give to uh, Gia's um, sister uh, who lost her son. And it just, the imagery just came into my mind. You know, because I knew that nothing could console her. You know, 
You can have all the theologians and pastors and prophets from outside coming and speaking good words. It could not console that person. I realized that. Only way that kind of pain will be somehow resolved is by escaping into the bosom of God. 그 하나님 품 안에 아버지의 품 속에 그 예수님의 품 속에 내 머리를 두고 내 가슴을 두고 그 안에 다 맡겨야 돼요. 그 길밖에 없어요. That's the greatest therapy that I know how. No human beings can console me when I'm going through the depth of despair and sufferings like that. 사람의 힘으로는 할수 없는 그렇다고 어떤 데는 뭐 성령님이 확 사로잡아 부르고 막 불세례로 확 해주느냐? It comes and goes. But let me tell you something that is eternal, that you can exercise that every day of your life, in your prayer, in your worship, every day abiding in the Lord. 그게 무엇이냐? 주님의 품에 안기는 연습을 하세요. Just like John did. Just like Jesus did with the Father into all eternity. And I think maybe that's why Jesus has come. To share us about the Father. He did say in John chapter 14, I am now leaving you to go to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. I think that can be translated as I prepare a place in my Father's bosom for you to be embraced by the Father. Amen. Please do not think that this is something so mystical and so theologically heavy that you cannot relate to. I don't mean to sound at all like that. It is something so practical that most people have no idea about. Because they have not thought about the relationship between the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. But if we know that the Father and the Son in Holy Trinity has this kind of intimate relationship, where the son is able to just freely just throw himself at the father and just be embraced by the father's heart. Then Jesus is saying, look, I want you to enter into that holy Trinitarian embrace of the father, son, and the Holy Spirit. Come in and lay your broken heart, lay your complex, uh, confusing mind, lay it all down and lay them down And my bosom, says the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have no ability in human realm to possibly comfort people who are suffering so much, Lord. And Lord, that was never meant, uh, something that we were meant to do anyway. Because there has to be room only for the Holy Spirit to do. There has to be room that only the Father's heart can console and comfort. And that's why, Jesus, when you invite us to come to you, you also invite us to come to the Father. And you want us to be embraced like the prodigals being embraced by the loving Father. And you invite us to the bosom of the Father. And only in the bosom of the Father, what words cannot explain, what concepts may fall, 
only in the bosom of the Father we might find some kind of consolation, healing and restoration and refreshing and a new beginning. Father, enlighten us by the truth of this word regarding the relationship between your son, Logos, and yourself and how that is played out also in Jesus and his relation with his disciples like John, and how you're inviting all of us into that embrace, into that bosom of the Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.